Welcome to episode 16 of the Dying Alive podcast, where two important things happen. First is that our podcast gets its driver's license because it's 16. That's the whole joke. And the other part is the Penguins, uh, they're on a five-game win streak. So our podcast, it, it not only can it drive, it can go to games and watch the Penguins on a five-game win streak. Ladies and gentlemen, as we said, it's episode 16 of the Time Live podcast. I really drove that home in the introduction. Oh, I'm Jesse Martin. <laughs> I didn't even need to do that. That was totally by accident. Um, this is a great, great start. Uh, Jesse Marshall of theathletic.com joined by uh, Pat Damp of Penn's blog. Say hello, Pat. Hey, Jesse. I'm still trying not to laugh. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and to my, you too. <laughs> and uh, Mike Garnet of Pennsburg. Say hello, Mike. Hello. You smug little shit. <laughs> goddamn, goddamn Liverpool! Hey, hello. So you could you could, you hear, could you hear the seven points clear at the top of the table in my voice? Liverpool just scored again. Again, yes. Sadly, West Ham did not. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what happens when we record in the daytime and not at nighttime? Yeah, we're all zany. Um. As we said, though, uh, the Penguins are on a five-game win streak. I accidentally uh, I put a typo in my last article for The Athletic where I wrote five games instead of four games. Um, well, now, now it's true. It is, and, it, and I didn't catch it, and neither did Seth, uh, and most readers didn't. And then this one little person was like, hey, wait a minute. And I was like, ha, called it. <laughs> Good looking out on that one. Way to, way yeah. to will it into, write it into existence. So I didn't edit it. I was like, I'm going to leave it like that because it's going to happen. Does that, right. mean you're ba- does that mean you're back to Jesse one take? <laughs> I might be back. I think I'm back to, yeah, I think I'm back to Jesse one take. Um, one thing that I want to start with is that we talked on the podcast about how frustrating it, it was that the break was going to happen when it did. Um, and that was before the Penguins won uh, at Carolina. Uh, and, and knowing that there was going to be a goaltender that was going to have a lot of time off um, and you know, things seemed to kind of come together a little bit for the team. That break, uh, it was no big deal to the Penguins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we said, we were concerned about both DeSmith and Murray having time off. Um, they went in the break on a high note, and you're wondering, oh, they don't play for now five or six days. I wonder what they're going to look like coming out of the break. And two very nice, convincing wins coming out of the break. Yeah, and their uh, le- supposed expected, quote-unquote, letdown <laughs> after the break lasted all of – 20 minutes the first period against Detroit where luckily they weren't playing a really good team so a sloppy 20 minutes really didn't affect them whatsoever and once they got their bearings back boom here we are yeah and uh, what was the biggest problem uh, over the course of really the entire year and last year uh, goaltending is no longer the biggest problem Uh, not only are the Penguins getting their goaltending together, uh, it's it's coming together in an above average fashion. Um, above average. That's that's new. I would even I would even say well above average. Oh, it is. Yeah, no, absolutely well above average. Uh, I believe you, goaltenders. I believe you dove into this uh, recently, Jesse. So we want to break that down for us a little bit. 
Um, I mean, I, I didn't really break. I, I mean, I didn't really dive into it other than to say, like, I think the Penguins just need good goaltending, average goaltending to be, you know, a championship caliber hockey team. So for them to get above average goaltending um, and the prospect of it maybe lasting for a while, that's pretty terrifying for, I think, everybody else in the in the league. Yeah, and I think another thing worth noting is it's it's very good, obviously, that they are getting excellent goaltending right now. But it's also coming to a time where they're not having problems scoring goals either. Like, you'd hate to see goalies out there making 38, 39 saves and then the Penguins not be able to score. They lose one nothing. Yeah. Correct. But yeah, in, this case, in, in this case, they're winning 5-2. They're winning 6-1. They're getting good goaltending and they're lighting up the score score sheet on the other side too. And they're not blowing the leads, Pat. Yeah, that's huge. They're actually, I said it on this podcast a bunch of times, one of their biggest issues away from goaltending this season was it felt like anytime they would get a lead, anytime they would go up in a game, they just would take their foot off the gas. Okay, we got a lead. This game's over. Let's just shut it down and we're out of here. And then that would open the door for whoever they were playing. As of late, and especially... Last night against St. Louis, they were they had foot on the throat and they stepped. They were just like we're we're leaving zero doubt that we're winning this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say this could even go hand in hand with not blowing leads, but it's nice to see the Penguins kick, kick two teams to the curb who they should kick to the curb and not hang around for a two-one overtime win or overtime loss, failing to really get after them after they show that they can get up for a game like they did against Washington. No. And I, and I think that's huge is like, if you look at it from a statistical perspective, right. And you follow along the penguin season as if, let's say you draw a line horizontally, Mike, um, and the good performances, you're obviously going to go up and then you, know, you have below average performances to go below that line. The penguins bottomed out a lot. And when they lost, they didn't just lose. They got absolutely dominated in every facet. And there were these periods of, of just gross inaccuracy in game where you could get really meta and analyze two periods and, and look at two almost two different teams playing each period. And I think something that's come together for them nicely really over the last 10 to 12 games is their full 60-minute effort has, I think, gotten a lot more even. And you don't see them changing the way they play from period one to period three. Maybe sometimes they kick it up a notch if they're down a goal, um, but they don't ever seem to let that foot off and, and just get caved in defensively. So who do you think Mike Sullivan beat up in the locker room to make this happen? I think it, I think it was honestly just – it's got to be annoying hearing the same shit over and over again. you know. And I, and I think that especially with how much the Penguins use video, you can only get put on blast I think for so long – before you know that sense of complacency kind of goes away and i do think to be fair a lot of this is Sidney crosby just picking the team up and dragging them across the finish line yeah yeah and i also think to step back just a second with what you said as annoying as it is for players to hear the same shit over and over again for the coach it has to be equally as frustrating to be saying the same shit over and over again and not seeing any change in result yeah, but you can tangibly listen to Mike Sullivan's sort of, I guess, demeanor, right? From go back to Thanksgiving and listen to him talk and then listen to him talk today. And, and you get the sense that like everybody's kind of, you know, gone, Ooh, all right. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, by the way, can, uh, can, can we talk about Mike Sullivan and how he, how tolerant he has been of Dan Potash interviewing him in costume multiple times? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. The, the Christmas one was, that was rough. It's like he's sitting, sitting there for his interview side by side with him. And you can just, you can only wonder what's going through his head. It's funny too, to see the disparity between the last, I'm, I'm going to say two, I'm not counting Johnston. That was, why but the last two coaches where you had the potash interviews between sullivan and bilesma where bilesma steered into the skid and played along with it and was goofy about it and then now you have sullivan who's like yes no i i see you have a reindeer on your on your shirt and uh, i'm just i'm i'm, 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 I'm not, not going to acknowledge it <laughs> nope nope I, nope there i see nothing wrong with this we're gonna talk hockey right now i think that um one thing to consider that i think is is also terrifying for a lot of teams in the league is that all the parts of the penguins haven't i think yet clicked simultaneously you know whereas Sidney crosby didn't get off to the hottest start malkin did and then when he cooled off crosby had picked it up you've got kessel intermittently hot brian rust was obviously cold for 29 games hornquist is you know hot when he's in the lineup i just think that there's a cohesion you know and, and obviously schultz is still missing as well I think there's still a lot that can be paired with this above average goaltending that could really turn this team into sort of a juggernaut almost. Yeah. It's like you, you look at what they're doing when they're honestly kind of only playing average, but getting good goaltending is making them look like a juggernaut already. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to add to that to kind of, I don't know if this gets into a topic we were going to discuss, but the, the defense, right? You obviously have Chris Letang playing at Norris caliber levels right now. No question about that. You have Brian Dumoulin, who is quietly one of their best defensemen. You, Night in and night out, he is the second best defenseman, zero questions asked. And then, you know, Mata's been in and out, okay to bad. You know, Alexiak struggled when he was in the lineup. Pedersen's been pretty okay. Jack Johnson's obviously been pretty bad. And you look at the whole core of defense, and the one thing I always kind of bring up here and on Twitter is I don't understand what everybody's expectation is. You're not going to have six Chris Letangs on your blue line. It's a matter of finding the right pairings and chemistry of everybody you have at your disposal, and they're really getting to doing that. And... I think between Ricola drawing back in for Alexiak, you found you found a way to get Mata going again. Obviously, Latang Dumoulin is fantastic, and uh, Pedersen and Johnson. It's not going to wow you, but the whole point is it's not supposed to. So when you have the defense working in a cohesive six-man unit, that's limiting chances against and being as close to a net positive as you can get, that's all you can ask for. It's not going to be six Norris caliber defensemen playing all at once. No, I mean, you know, they've won Stanley Cups with defenses that were just okay. Yeah, and I always came back to the 2017 Stanley Cup and not for the whole, well, you know, they did it without Chris Letang, so how valuable is he really? Because if that's your take, just... Just, just stop. Yeah. But remember, we agonized over the Mata Daily pairing. 
mainly because we a it was confirmation bias. We were looking for any little mistake they made because we didn't like it. So we put every single minuscule mistake under a microscope. But they deployed them well enough that it mitigated damage against. And that's what they're doing with Johnson Pedersen. So if that stops working, then we got more of a complaint. Ask Toronto fans what it's like to watch Ron Hainsey in the playoffs. Terrifying. Well, they only you know, they, I mean, they, they, don't, they only get a four or five game sample, though. Yeah, yeah we got a whole we, we got a whole play, we got a whole four round sample. Yeah, yeah, play. it's way worse then. Yeah, uh, but they've won Stanley Cups in in spite of their defense, and I do think that when Justin Schultz comes back, you know, it's tough because you you know you're not taking Marcus Pedersen off this team right now. No way, no way. You, you can't. can't. You, you absolutely can't cannot. It. Um, One, he, he, he's making an he's making an anchor look passable, which I mean, Jesus Pedersen, because he's performing miracles out there. You know, watch, you know, watch him play away from the puck, and I think you get an even greater appreciation um, of his anticipation and the way he can get to lanes and close them out real quick. His gap control, uh, stepping up on guys. I watch how that goal changes his game too. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go on a one hell of a run now with a little bit of confidence. And shout out to him for uh, no, <laughs> sorry, it wasn't him. It was Ricola for the humor in his interview after scoring a goal, saying he hopes it's not his last one. <laughs> that was great. And, so what do you? So what do you do though? I mean, honestly, I know we're getting. At, I don't want to put the the you know the cart before the horse, but everybody that listens to this show would tweet us and say, Jack Johnson's got to come out. I, but Jack Johnson's got to be bought out. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I know it's not. So realistically, who who's the sacrificial lamb? I mean, one has to think it's either, it, it's got to be Ricola, right? Just because of his age. Yeah, I would think so. And his, his age, waiver age, exempt. age, age, waiver exempt, lack of NHL experience. Even yeah. though, even though those aren't things that are causing his game to be bad, he's been he's not been great though. I think no. overall, I mean, for, from an analytical standpoint, he just gets rocked and just gets crushed more often than not. But hey, the same thing happened to Jamie Alexiak. So yeah, I would, is I would like only, is it an only Mata problem? I would like to get a sample of Penguin skating six defensemen without Jack Johnson in just to see how they look. Yeah, no, you're right. Yep. Yeah, I would too. Um, but I, I think, you, like you said, Jesse, the two most likely candidates are Ricola and Mata. Yeah. And I would say Ricola and Alexiak. I, I would say Alexiak too, but he's already been out. So yeah, no, right. But you know. Also, the the thing I wanted to bring up, we we brought up that goaltending is back during this streak, but we also got to talk about the way in which this team has performed in this five-game win streak overall and a few of the other individuals. In the five games, they've scored 18 goals and only given up five. So obviously, goaltending's back and the offense is awoken. Sid, like you said, is willing this team to winning. He's got 11 points in five games. Rust obviously had five points before he went down last night. Letang with a goal and five assists for six points. And then Kessel 
two goals, five assists, seven points. And despite what some people on Twitter may say, I, we know he's struggling at five on five, but special teams can make or break a team. And Kessel's been unreal on the power play lately. Yeah, and Kessel's creating goals at even strength, I think, just with his um, – when you go back uh, to the – what's that Detroit game? Um, he was putting in work at five-on-five five with the primary assists. And people yeah. ignore people have a tendency to ignore that stuff. Yeah, he had that, I, na- he had that nasty pass on the Broussard goal. Yeah, and it's just come on. Like, I know he's not getting goals, but points are points, people. Like, you, you can still impact the, the game in other ways. Yeah, so so I have a question here to pose. Uh, you just asked, do the Penguins have an Ole Mata problem? We can also probably all agree that the Penguins have a Derek Broussard problem. Right? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that he has to date been underwhelming of what they expected. But he also hasn't had a ton of consistency in the lineup. He's had a revolving door of line mates or he's been on a bunch of different lines and he's also been hurt. So, you know, it seems like every time he gets going, something happens, whether mm-hmm. it's injuries on the on the roster and it moves him up or down or he gets hurt. And yeah, it's it, it, he's a tough one to gauge to me. OK, so so here's the reason I ask. This wasn't a correspondence per se, but uh, a question that Eric Majeski posed to me last night was uh, something to the tune of packaging those two players together to try to fix their third center problem. See, I don't know because we, we said it a couple episodes ago when we were talking about St. Louis being open for business. If you're going to ship out defense, you got to bring defense in because that is very much their most shallow position in the system, in the system. So maybe, but I don't. I think the rumors of the Penguins' center depth demise have been greatly exaggerated. I still don't think they'd hesitate to move Derek Broussard if given the right deal. No, I don't think so either. Mainly based on contract status, because given what the Penguins are paying him, he's going to get paid as a free agent. Given yeah. his, given his age, position, history, he's going to get paid. Yeah, and all of that gives him trade value. Yeah. Because of his age, his contract status, what he's done, his history, he is somebody that you could really still entice to take. December was obviously a really good month uh, for the team. And I think that you can bracket uh, if you look at if you look at shots and scoring chances, right? Just possession Puck possession, expected goals, like very standard, basic counting stuff, right? I think there's like a very clear top tier on this team. I think there's a a muddy middle, but I think there's a very clear bottom on this team as well. So again, this is just for the month of December. Uh, At the top, you've got Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin. Not a shock. Anybody would be surprised by that. Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, again, not a shock. Um, Malkin and Hornquist, Rust, uh, and throw in Derek Grant, who surprisingly creates a ton 
of scoring chances. <laughs> and it's just a bizarre anomaly uh, within that team. Uh, doesn't get a lot of time on the ice, but the ice time he does get, he does a lot with. Um, so that's your top. Nobody's surprised by that, right? Um, bottoming out, I, I would I would categorize the following players as really bad. Uh, Jamie Oleksiak, Jack Johnson, Derek Broussard, Riley Sheehan, Oli Mata, Yusa Riccolo, and Matt Collin. Yeah, just from, from an eye test standpoint, what you watch, everything there lines up. So right. I, I think that, you know, with Riley Sheehan, that's an, that's interesting because he doesn't often stand out to me as poor. Um, he does get utilized in really difficult scenarios too. So his results, I think, are, are somewhat blurred by taking some pretty brutal minutes. Yeah, um, yeah. And I also, I would say he doesn't stand out as poor when you watch him, but he also doesn't really stand out as very good either. He kind of just is there which yeah. usually which usually for a depth center that's fine yeah uh but the Broussard thing definitely stands out um and I, you know we know that one thing you could say about jim rutherford and we've said it on this show he's not gonna hesitate to make a change where he feels the change is necessary um so it, you or, know. or a situation where he feels like it could improve the team yeah yeah and and, and the other issue there is i mean sometimes i think i've said it on this show before a trade just doesn't work like on the surface it looks like it should on the surface everything there says like this is going to be beneficial for both sides and this guy's going to be great when he gets here and sometimes it just doesn't work there's no real explanation have you guys like completely given up hope on no no No, absolutely not no not not at all it's just i just I wonder it's, where people sit with that, you know. It, it, it's just an obser- It's just a general observation for me that I mean, sometimes trades just don't work out. But I mean, there have also been moments where Broussard looks pretty effective, but on the whole, he just it just hasn't worked. So moving forward, Penn's wild tomorrow, New Year's Eve. Everybody get ready to get crazy. I'm going to watch the Penguin game. You're going to get crazy. I'm going to get wild. (laughs) Oh! Uh, And then I'm going to watch the live feed of uh, NASA's uh, New Horizons fly by the big space rock. Are you back on it? Yeah, I'm back on my bullshit. Back on your R-Space bullshit, eh? I'm back on it. I'm, I'm on our space and I'm playing a hell of a lot of Smash Brothers, man. I, I have been playing a whole hell of a lot of Red Dead. Mm. Like it, it, it like just whipping, that, just whipping that horse around, Pat. Oh, oh yeah, but it's yeah. it's to the you point. A, you got a cool horse. I do. What's its name? Steve. <laughs> Is that real? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was playing it one day, and um, I can't I, I can't remember what happened. The horse I had, which was a gigantic horse that I named Hercules. Okay, nice name. Something I, I can't remember if it was a mission or if it was just a side quest. I basically got ambushed and shot to hell. My horse also Hercules died, R.I.P. So the game like gifted me a similar horse. And I like just looked back at my sister. I was like, what's this horse's name? And I mean, top of her lungs. Steve. <laughs> and I just went, all right, the horse's name is Steve. <laughs> so, so are you the kind of person, and if Steve died, would you quit and reload? No, I'd find another one. Okay, okay. Some people get really emotionally attached to their horses. 
Yeah, no, no I'm, not, I'm not one of those people. But right, I was going to say, when you said looking forward to New Year's Eve in the wild, we do got to look forward for a certain young Penguins forward. Jake, Jake Gensel. Gensel. There we go. I'm crazy about this whole contract thing because to me it's, it's such a good deal uh, and I think it's worth it. And I talked on The Athletic about how Jake Gensel is, you know, enhances Sidney Crosby, which is tough to do. Um, and it, it makes you know a lot of, of good scoring chances and things in his own right, independent of Sidney Crosby. So for me, it's you know it's a great deal, and it's, a, would, great, it's a great deal, and it's only going to get better as the cap goes up. Right. So I'm not complaining about it. No, neither am I. And that was the point I was going to bring up was what you wrote about mm-hmm. Jesse was that he actually helps Sidney Crosby in a positive way. Because we can always tell when a winger is a beneficiary of playing on Sidney Crosby's wing. It's him lifting up somebody that otherwise probably wouldn't be in that tier of player. And that is absolutely not Jake Gensel. No. And and I, it, to me, you know, and I looked back not just at this year because this year's data is outrageous. <laughs> Um, in terms of what Crosby and, and Gensel are doing together. But the sample size with, you know, looking at Gensel with no Crosby is so small that it's not even worth looking at. It's minuscule. Um, not surprising. But I included last year's data where they did spend some time apart, obviously. Um, and Jake Gensel, on his own, gets to scoring areas. And, and you know, he's just such a drifter. He he's a- sinks. He's, yeah, he sinks into the game. And he's a very cerebral player as well. And yeah. it, you don't think of it that way because you see him on the receiving end of really good Crosby passes and setups. You see him deflecting pucks and you see him doing an okay job on the second power play unit. But in order to play with a player like Sidney Crosby as well as Jake Gensel does, you have to be able to think the game on the same or a similar level to Sidney Crosby, which is really difficult. Well, he's a coach's kid. That's, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah, no question about that. I never coach got that kid. gift as a coach's kid. I was out there just skating really fast and running into stuff and falling down. I never so, got it. Yeah. So, uh, so I have a question. We're now 13, 14 years into Sidney Crosby's career. Do we finally have a winger for Sid? Yeah. No, I think Hosa was, too. Yeah, short term. Dupuy, Kunitz. Yeah. I'm, I guess it's how you define winger for Sid. You know, I mean, I, they certainly have one now. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's that's for damn sure. So, um, yeah, to me, I think contracts are going to continue to be outlandish. So, this to me, this is a good deal. Yeah, and the other thing I brought up on Twitter briefly about the Gensel deal was I think a lot of us had him pegged for like the 5-2-5 to 5.5. I think getting him up to 6 was the Penguins' way of saying, we know you're going to get more in arbitration because of the Nylander deal, so here's 6. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, and arbitration is a one-year deal, and then you do the same bullshit the following year. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, deals... And um, putting together teams. Can we talk about Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to do that now? Oh, my God. Yes, please. This is hilarious. So, I, I would assume that by this point, everybody is, um, you know, aware of what happened. If not, uh, the lights um, who 
you know, are kind of running the stars and speaking for ownership. That's kind of ironic that lights run the stars. There you go. <laughs> um, just absolutely, they absolutely brutalized Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Um, called their play fucking horseshit. Um, ripped into them, and and to me, you know, he accused Jamie Ben of wah-wahing over hitting the post, which I don't, you know, and, and just my brief period of reference because Sean Shapiro is the one that I got this story from from the Athletic, and Sean does a really good job, first of all, covering the stars. Period. Point blank. Right. Like, great, great stuff. I looked back through some of Sean's recent articles um, about. Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan and neither one of them had ever cried in any of those articles. So if they were crying, it wasn't public. Well, right? and, and wasn't that uh, the other thing that the ownership group or whoever was critical of was critical of the people who cover the team for not taking Ben and Sagan to task as they quote unquote should. Correct. Yeah. Is that they've gotten off easy, I guess. And I think here's what I think the tangible difference is, is imagine if, 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 you know, Jim Rutherford's push on Brian Rust was to reference his name and say, like, we need more out of him. And, and you know, we're not opposed to moving anyone. Right. He never said, I'm going to trade Brian Rust. He just said, look, like, we, 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 Hag- just ex- we just expect more out of him. We just traded Carl Hagelin, like a, two, like a guy who's been here from the go. You know, like nobody's, you know at risk or nobody's off, off the table here outside of the superstars. So now Brian Russ's production doesn't have anything to do with those comments. You know, maybe he played a little bit harder a couple nights. His goal scoring has completely to do with statistical randomness that exists in hockey. You know, the reason that Tyler Sagan's hit so many post statistical variants. So by the way, by the way, shout out to Tyler Sagan for having a very well measured and, uh, mature response when he was. They both handled it real well. I thought. I thought they both handled it really, really well. You'd have to go back a ways to find something that exists like this in the in the recent history of the National Hockey League. Yeah, and I can't remember if it was uh, Dom. How, how do I say his last name? Jesse Lushizen. Lushizen. Lushizen, or charting hockey that showed Ben and Sagan's heat maps. Because one of the comments that Light had about them was... They don't go to the front of the net. They don't go to the front of the net. And their heat maps were literally in the net. Like, yeah. And they they said, I don't know what else they want these two to do. Like, shoot while they're on top of the goalie. Like, the, the overvaluing of quote-unquote going to the net, meaning, like, you have to skate and stand in front of the net and never move is ridiculous because it's such a stupid hockey cliche. And, and and I think too, Pat, on top of that, you know, one of the, when light mentioned the fact that nobody had publicly gone hard on Sagan and Ben, I think that's the disconnect between ownership and coaching. Coaching understands that these things happen, right? You can coach to maybe gripping the stick less tight. You can coach to video and, and try to provide insight into scoring chances and maybe things you could do differently. And, you know, but you don't, you don't tell a guy to overhaul his entire game. You know, you, you coach to the nuance. And, and I think from an ownership perspective, there's a refusal to believe that a scoring drought can hit your star players that because of the money they make and the position they're in, they should be immune to that. But nobody is immune to that. Evgeny Malkin's clearly not immune to it. 
right? Sidney Crosby's not immune to it. Ryan Rust wasn't immune to it. It hits everybody at some point or another. And and to lash out like this, I think, against the coaching staff for not saying more, I think is, is just really, uh, there's a huge Grand Canyon-like divide between understanding day-to-day hockey, op- hockey operations and not understanding day-to-day hockey operations. I personally just kind of wish that these kind of comments would have come out from ownership group against Ken Hitchcock to see what it would have happened. Yeah. Or just fun. Or or just how can, how many times do speaking of Hitchcock and the Oilers, how many times do general managers just get a free pass? Like Ben and Sagan have been the, one of the only consistent things about that Dallas stars team. Yeah, there, there was, no, and that's the thing is, and Adam Gretz wrote about that pack. Yeah, Look at the rest yeah. of that roster. Look at the rest of your team. Like yeah, he, he basically phrased it as a year ago or two years ago, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben could have phrased the same question to the general manager or to ownership saying, your general manager didn't give us anybody around us. Which And, and, like, and shit like that's already starting in Edmonton. I saw a cutout of a story from the Edmonton Journal where McDavid basically they said that McDavid told the team, you know, that we're in the time of year now where if a team beats us, they're taking our playoff spot. And then they went out and not won. And the and instead of saying, Oh, the front office has done nothing to surround Connor McDavid with talent, they have they basically said, Well, I guess nobody heard McDavid's uh, comments, so I guess he's a bad leader. What? Well, yeah, I mean, they have judging whether somebody's a good or a bad leader has to do entirely with whether or not the team is winning, right? Because like the narrative, the Jonathan Taves narrative. Yep, I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. As I like to call it, anyway. Um, you know, it's it's nonsense, and most of the time, it's completely made up. And that's one of the reasons why old people hate analytics not to be like ageist or anything, but you know, there's a reason why the elders push back. It's because I think they, they view analytics as something that takes that narrative away from them. Um, and that's like a serious, a serious threat that, that control over who's supposed to win this trophy this year. Yep. Uh, hit the music. Papers are shuffling. I was saying, I knew I heard papers are rustling. Um, First question, actually, is Mike uh, is wearing an Antonio Brown jersey, by the way. I am. Uh, First question is about the papers. It's from Peep asking, Why do I print out the correspondences? Well, Peep, I'm going to address this back to him personally. I do this for the listeners so that my computer is not bogged down any further than it needs to be to cut out technical difficulties. Take that. Yeah. Dismantled. Uh, Morgan asks, <clears throat> what is, in your opinion, the most believable conspiracy theory? Mm. I'm going to go kind of like general rather than specific. And it's that aliens are real because I think it's selfish as a human race for us to be like, yeah, no, it's just us around here. We're all on our own. Nobody else. I'm gonna I'll say. I'm gonna I'll say. Like uh, go ahead. I'm with Pat. That's all. I was gonna say that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> Good one. 
Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Aaron asks, similar to the worst Christmas song correspondence, what is the worst Christmas movie? The Santa Claus. I agree. I hate you both. I know. A Christmas story. So that's such a stupid opinion. <laughs> is it worth 24 hours a day? I don't think yeah. it is. Yeah, yes. clearly it is. Clearly it is. Okay. Two, on two channels. Right. On right. two channels. Right. My I take five my, channels. My take on why it is I can turn it on, watch 10 minutes, go do something, come back, watch another 10 minutes, fill in throughout the day. Yep. Yeah, DVD players exist. You can hit pause. Shut the fuck up. Well, I'm sorry to poke a hole in your logic, Mike, but you know, I'm just saying. You didn't poke a hole in anything. Okay, uh, I've got another movie question here. No, because I can't fucking reach anything. That's why. <clears throat> Do you need help reaching from the top shelf at the grocery store? Was that the question? It is now. Eh, sometimes I have to take a running start. What of it? <laughs> Anyways. Want to fight about it? <laughs> uh, Chad Tully asks, best movie soundtrack of all time. Obviously, this would be from movies you've seen. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, going to say Forrest Gump. Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah, good, good um, one remember the Titans, definitely. I watched that the other night. One of the, a top five movies for me. Uh, Bioshock asks, if you were looking for a right-handed defenseman via trade, who would you target and who would you move? I am not uh, well. I am not well versed on left versus right-handed defense. I'm not. I have not researched. This I'll at all. I'll look into it and we'll address later. Yeah, parking put, lot. Yeah, put that one in the correspondence parking lot. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Hornquist eighty seven asks, without googling, can you say one fact about Peru? It's in this South is America. From per- this is our listener from Peru. This is our listener from Peru. Yeah. She. This. Yes. It was pointed out to us immediately after we released the last episode. Yeah, like somebody, five, minute, five minutes after it was posted. Somebody came right in and was like, I know it. It's this person. Um, and they must now be aware. And also other people were bitching that Canada wasn't in there. Australia. Um, and in Aust- we had a lot of Australians pop in and say, hey. So Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Um, so back to the I, question. I will, name, I will name one thing about Peru. Okay. The manager of their national football team. Harv Renard is one of my favorite characters in professional football. Big Harv. Big Harv. I have an undeniable fact about Peru. Go. Peru is in South America. Ooh, dropping bombs. It's the same one I have. That's the only one I can think of. You gotta get another one now. You gotta do another one. You gotta do another one. I'm not allowed to Google. That's the question. I can't Google. Yeah. That's where I come come in as an an ignorant American. That's all I know about it. She also has another question. Um, do you have any pet peeves while watching hockey, whether it be at home, at a bar, an arena, whatever? I don't like it when people yell how much time is left. Oh, I hate the one minute mark. I didn't, I didn't think of that. I hate. I mean, there are a few instances where it, it can be fitting when people yell for the players to shoot. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's in every sport too. That's the, like in basketball and, and soccer. Yeah, yeah. Like when when the Penguins are on a power play for two minutes and they haven't shot the puck yet, I can get it. But sure, people do it all the time, and it's insufferable. Agree. Uh, mine would be the people that are listening for like a national broadcast to say something negative about the Penguins. Like, 
Pierre Maguire or Doc Emmerich or Eddie Olchek could like the the, 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 uh, the broadcast is biased, Pat. Yeah, they could go on a long diatribe about how great the Penguins have been for the last decade, and then as soon as they're like, "Well, I don't know about that decision with the puck by Sidney Crosby," and they're like, "Oh, well, here we go again." NBC <laughs> hates the Penguins. Yeah. Uh, Michael asked if you could choose the goal song for the Penguins. What would it be? Party um, on Fifth Ave. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it. If I had to change it, that's what I would say. But I'm not for changing it. No, I like Party Hard. I want Party on Fifth Ave to be the victory song. Well, I mean, I, again, my response is is assuming they had. If it had to change, change. right, right, yeah, I wouldn't. I would also not change it. Uh, let's see. Question from Danny: Which is more elite, honey mustard or ranch? Neither. It depends. Ranch. Oh, ranch. Yeah. Okay. It, it depends on what I'm using it for. I agree. I don't like honey mustard at all on anything. Chicken tenders no. and honey. Chicken tenders dipped in honey mustard. Oh, no. Nope. Absolutely. Buffalo. Elite. I'll take buffalo sauce any of the week. Ideally, I get a little bit of both. Yes. And if I'm in pizza, I'm dipping in ranch. Right. Uh, Laura asked, where should she vacation in 2019? Wow, this is a lot of responsibility. Peru. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with a non-committal answer and say somewhere new that you have never visited. Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina is my recommendation. That's a good one. Any reason why? Great food, good atmosphere, historical, <clears throat> lots to do, never bored. Great place to go. Um, I'm going to this. Uh, not a correspondence, but a shout out. Also, great grits, Patrick. Oh, I have never I've never had grits. Really? Nope. And they have a haunted restaurant where the women's bathrooms haunted. So obviously I couldn't go in. I was oh, say, how um, would you know about that? Hmm? They tell <laughs> you about it when you go in. It's called Coogan's <laughs> Porch. Uh, not a correspondence, but a shout out to Lars. <coughs> For me personally, I needed some help finding a beer for my sister's boyfriend for Christmas, and it's only distributed in the Pacific Northwest. She came through, had it sent to me. Um, my reason for also mentioning this is she also sent some delicious brown butter toffee chocolate chip cookies that were supposed to be for the three of us. Damn. But I have not seen Pat, and Jesse is not always nearby, so I ate them all myself. Hit me up with the cookies. Yeah, Shout seriously. Out they hey, were hey, they slide were, into them DMs for your They board. were absolutely delicious. <laughs> yeah, just by the it. name they sound delicious. Holy yeah. shit. Um but but in all sincerity, she did write a little note um thanking us for recording the show, um, which helps feel like home. Um and it was much appreciated. I also appreciate everyone that puts on their Instagram story that they're listening to the show with a screenshot of the show. Let's make that a thing. Keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, next question is from Jay. When the Seattle team is finally ready, who are a handful of players you think will be moved? Jack Johnson. Um, I haven't given this much thought. James Neal. Uh, that fuck you. <laughs> I the only stuck right in there. It's the only fucking I answer I have. <laughs> uh, but but absolutely, James Neal. He has like what eight points this year. Yeah, he's been a serious letdown for Calgary. In, in year one of a five-year deal. Uh, Pat, next time, just put that in there. Don't do that anymore. Just put it in. Uh, B. Beckel asks, better holiday drink to escape family get-togethers, spiked eggnog or winter beer? Winter beer, for sure. Winter beer. 
I go winter beer just because the volume you can consume. Never drink eggnog anything if you're me. I, I, yeah, no. I can do a little bit of eggnog's fine. You don't want to go heavy on eggnog, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just, ugh, it's too heavy of a drink. Put some nutmeg in it, though. Yeah. If you are going to drink it. Uh, Let's see. Cinnamon if you're feeling spicy. West, fireball. West Friends asks, does Phil Kessel retire as a penguin? Nah. No. Nah, no, agreed. Um, follow-up question. When making pierogies, steamed or sautéed? Can't go wrong either way, in my opinion. Um, I, I would say to do both. Get them cooked inside. They give them a little browning on a flat top. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, either way, absolutely. Yeah, you win either way with a little brown butter. Ooh. Our food um, podcast continues being a food podcast with a side of hockey. Uh, B asks, if you do New Year's resolutions, what are they? Um, I don't. I do the like I do and I try to keep it realistic like I don't do like I need to work out more and be a better guy like um, need to be taller. <laughs> uh, here we go 29th new year and I'm asking for it again. Damn. You guys can't see it but they're both like leaning backwards from laughter. Oh, I just want to soak that in. God, I hate you guys. It's perfect. Um I generally don't do one. However, we are in uh, week 16 and have not missed a week. I would like to keep that going. Oh, that's no doubt. That's yeah. no doubt. This and might if we be, do, if this we might do be a week. We'll do, we'll do two the following week. This might be the longest commitment I've ever had in my life. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Zayad asks, when time eventually catches up with the Penguins, do you think they will fight it into mediocrity like the Red Wings or embrace the tank? I think the Jake Gensel contract gives us the answer. Uh, everybody in the core, their contract ends in the same two-year window. So I think they're going to embrace the tank. And then win another rig lottery. Yeah. Like you look at like everybody who's a big name on this roster, Kessel, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Gensel, all their contracts end in the same two-year window. So remnants of it will stick around. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, but is it overall, it'll change drastically. Uh, looks like I have two more questions. Um, should the sixth defenseman be Jamie Alexiak or Jack Johnson? In an ideal world, Jamie Alexiak. Yes. Uh, that question was from Jason, by the way. I forgot. But this ain't an ideal world. This is the real world. Yeah. Um, and last question is from Aaron. Why do the Penguins keep having very inconsistent Octobers and Novembers and continue to turn it around in December? Because they know that October and November is ultimately meaningless. Correct. Uh, I think as a team who um, not only is a team that won the Stanley Cup back to back years, but as a team that are perennial contenders who go into the playoffs every year as contenders, save for 2015 when they went in as the eight seed. Um, they're a team who knows you need to be fresh when March comes around going into April. Um, so I think it's a little bit of protecting their bodies and understanding what a long grind it is. If you come out out of the gate in middle of October playing insane, it, it's going to fall off eventually. Yep. Yeah. And think about it this way too. Um, more than half the league, well, yeah, still more than half the league makes the playoffs every year. 16 teams make the playoffs. 
And you can recover in an 82-game season from a bad month and a half. If you play awful into January, then yes, you're going to have some trouble. But you can afford to drop a few games in October, November. My advice to everybody is to view the entire season in eight game segments. Seriously, that's the if you look at the season from either like Jesse said, eight game segments or a seven game series, you will have a better picture of where your team's at in the larger picture. What else you got, Mike? I think that's it. Oh, damn. Well, thanks again, everyone, for sending in all your uh, questions. It's always fun going through these. I try to ignore them throughout the week, so I'm surprised at the last minute. Um, uh, oh, oh, by the way, disclaimer. If you send me jokes or questions, correspondences about Jack Johnson being poor, I will probably publicly shame you next week. Yeah, that's a new I got, I, I got one this week. This, this is a last reprieve. If you send me one next week, I will publicly shame you on the show. Getting roasted. Next time you're getting roasted. Yeah. And just ask yourself before you send those in, if you met him, would you say that to him? All right. Anything to plug? Nope. Nope. Who wins the national championship? Alabama. Yep. It's not even close. I mean, I I mean, I had this discussion this morning with a friend of mine because like Mike has a kindred spirit. We like Notre Dame. There was such a disparity between one and two and three and four in college football this year. Notre Dame's Notre Dame, Notre Dame. I'm not even going to get me started. Well, I would, I would even go a step further. There's one and two and then there's a big gap and then there's three, four, five, six and everyone else. Yeah. Agreed. So, so, I mean, and and it's, that's a reason why Clemson and Alabama are playing for the national championship for three times in four years. Yeah. Vine of the week. We try to keep it holiday themed. Thanks for listening. And we'll uh, be catching up with you next week. In 2019. See you next year. <laughs> Happy Christmas. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler.